0: a capper and a good wag? The story has real life stories to inspire and make you smile. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie invites author John Irwin to tell the riveting story of heroism on display from his grandfather in
1: World War II. On a routine mission to Korea, Japan, a bomb erupted in his face on board a B-29 Superfortress. John's dead,
0: Hank Irwin. Smoke is now filling
1: the plane. Pilot has lost control. He's now going into a dive toward the Pacific, and it looks curtains for everybody. My grandfather, in that split-second moment, had a choice to make. His buddies' lives were at stake. He
0: knew if he didn't do something, everybody was going to die, including him.
1: His answer to that call and the choice that he would make uh, would define his life and generations of lives, and lead to the fastest presentation of the Congressional Medal of Honor
0: that we know of in our nation's history. Such a powerful edition of A New Beginning coming your way today. Thanks for joining us. Pastor Greg Laurie and author John Irwin are sharing about valor and heroism.
2: You're talking about a brand new book that has just been written by my friend, John Irwin, and the title of the book is Beyond Valor, subtitled A World War II Story of Extraordinary Heroism, Sacrificial Love, and a Race Against Time. And John, of course, is a director along with his brother, Andy. They run Kingdom Studios, which is under the umbrella of Lionsgate Studios and they did the film. I can only imagine. More recently, I still believe. And now John has taken his skills, because really, when it's all said and done, John is not just a director; he's a storyteller, and he's telling us a powerful, true story about his own grandfather, Red Irwin. If that's right, you know, we call
1: Kingdom a, a story company, and uh, you know, we love to tell stories that move people, that are entertaining first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. And we just feel like the right story, you know, can can change your life. And we love uh, stories that uplift and inspire and spread the hope of the gospel to the world, you know, mm-hmm. through entertainment. And uh, that's the goal. And God is at work in Hollywood and uh, even in the midst of the year that we're having. And it's it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to tell stories mm-hmm. that can change lives. And, and uh, so this is our first book.
2: Well, it's really a story of heroism. And, you know, I think we throw the word or the term hero around rather loosely. If a guy knows, you know, five chords in a guitar, he's a guitar hero. If he can drop a ball in a basket or catch a pass, he's a sports hero. But though those are impressive acts, they're not really heroism. A hero is someone that sacrifices, uh, someone that puts the needs of others above himself. And your grandfather was a real hero. Tell us, what he did, this act of heroism that caused him to be awarded this incredible Medal of Honor by the President of the United States.
1: Well, yeah, and, and the Medal of Honor is is uh, our nation's highest military honor, and uh, it's given for acts of extraordinary heroism beyond mm-hmm. the call of duty, and mm-hmm. uh, very few of them have ever been awarded, and mm-hmm. – and, my grandfather's, from what we know, is is the fastest presentation of the Medal of Honor um, in history. It was a real race against time. Hmm. And uh, and he was a radio operator on board a B-29 Super Fortress. They called him Red Irwin. It's great uh, red hair. Looked a lot like Matt Damon before he went off to war. He didn't have to serve, but as was so many in that generation, he was so moved with patriotism after Pearl Harbor that he and, – and he also didn't want his brothers to go. He he uh, signed up. And just before he went in a whirlwind romance, he, he met and married – uh, my my grandmother betty and they were married about 3 months before he shipped off mm. and um he basically wanted to be a fighter pilot couldn't get the get the landing and and uh he became a radio operator on a B29 superfortress the B29 was the the most extraordinary aircraft of the day it was aluminum it was beautiful it had this mm. glass nose um course, famously it's the plane that dropped atomic bombs and um it was the first pressurized cabin first computerized gun system it was just a really magnificent aircraft and uh designed for one thing, which was to end the war on Japan, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, without a land invasion, which is the only time that's ever been done. And so he flew in many raids. Uh, His plane was called the city of Los Angeles. uh, Mm. uh, And uh, basically they were the lead plane on these missions. So you can imagine six or 800 of these massive bombers and uh, they were the lead plane. How many crew
2: members would be on one of those? There'd be 11
1: crew members uh, on a a B-29 and uh, one of his jobs as the radio operator was to drop a phosphorus flare when they approached the target and signal uh, all the other planes into formation. He had done this many times. Phosphorus is terrible, terrible stuff. It can burn up to 2,000 degrees. It burns through steel. Um, it, you can't put it out or burn underwater. Uh, it's just horrible stuff, but it burns white hot. And so the other planes could see it and come into formation. And on this particular raid, uh, April 12th, 1945, a raid on in Koryab in Japan, he did what he always did, and, and his, it was his job to drop that bomb, and they hit an air pocket and instead of the bomb deploying, it shot back up in, into the plane and exploded in his face oh, uh, and filled the plane with toxic smoke, and wow. the plane went into an immediate dive, and they were only at oh. 1,500 feet, and it was really just a question of whether they were going to crash into the ocean and die or whether it was going to erupt the six tons of bombs on the plane mm-hmm. and, and you know, explode all the planes around them, and mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather was very devout, And he said on the plane, he felt a presence with him on the plane. Uh, it, it blinded him. It severely burned him. Uh, just that first explosion and in some sort of a superhuman shouldn't have been able to do it act. He just felt a a peace and a presence with him, felt God with him on the plane and he went for the bomb instead of away from it. And he found it, clutched it like a football and began about a 20 foot march to the front of the plane and just erupted like a human fireball Mm. and, uh moved, had to move a navigator's table. It seared his handprint in the nav- navigator's table and got to the front of the plane. And there was a colonel on board, Colonel Strauss, uh, that was sitting in the copilot seat. Very calmly said, excuse me, sir. Uh, <laughs> and over his shoulder, he got the bomb out of the plane through the window. Smoke cleared the plane uh, and they pulled up at 300 feet, just seconds uh, from disaster. Yeah. Now, normally um, you wouldn't, Ever turn around, uh, Curtis LeMay, who was sort of like the patent of the Pacific. It was mission over, over the man, mm-hmm. but because that colonel was on board to observe the raid, and he was so moved by what he saw, my grandfather collapsed in flames, uh, and they were trying to put him out. Uh, he said, "Turn this plane around. You know, I don't, I don't care what they do to me. Turn this plane around." And he, and that started a series of irregular events that led to an extraordinary. Uh, Presentation of the Congressional Medal of Honor. It normally Mm -hmm. takes at least a year. It takes a long. it has to sort of almost be almost like a trial to see if Mm -hmm. this act was worthy of being, uh, you know, an act above and beyond the call of duty. But everyone thought he was going to die. And so they landed the plane on Iwo Jima. The airstrip at Iwo Jima had just opened. um, And they had to cut a hole in the plane to get him out. And that night, uh, uh, the captain, uh, Simmerl, and Strauss wrote the citation for the Congressional Medal of Honor. at 5 a.m. the next morning, they they pressed on Guam, Curtis LeMay, with this story. He was so moved by it that he used his sort of abrasive personality to get it to Washington. Well, all this happened the day FDR died. And so it was mm. Truman's first day in office. And here comes this letter from this hero in the Pacific. Truman was famous for saying he'd rather have the Medal of Honor than be president of the United States. Mm. And um, he was so moved by it that he got it approved through Congress in seven hours. It's never happened before. Wow. So, sort of the word was, we're going to give the Medal of Honor to this war hero, posthumously, because, again, everybody thought he was going to die. But LeMay was insistent. He said, I want to pin the Medal of Honor on this kid's neck before he dies. Hmm. Trouble is, there was only one Medal of Honor in the entire Pacific, uh, which was at a display case in Pearl Harbor. When you get the Medal of Honor, you get a medal and you get a, dis- a matching display medal. Mm-hmm. And it was a display medal, The general in Pearl Harbor. And so they they stripped out a B twenty nine very long flight secret mission <laughs> yeah. secret crew they flew from Guam to Pearl Harbor wow and uh, in the early morning hours April seventeenth uh, they uh, they got onto the base they got into the general's office uh, they couldn't uh, they couldn't find the key so they smashed the display case stole the Medal of Honor <laughs> and flew it back to um to his bedside and within one week pinned the Medal of Honor uh, oh, on his my neck gosh. and wow. and fastest that we know of on record, uh, ever for the Medal of Honor. And he clung to life. He had already had several surgeries, got home. My grandmother had only really been informed that he had been injured. Um, mm-hmm. she didn't know the extent of it. And in many cases, people in the burn ward, their wives would literally sort of disown them just out of shock. And, and, uh, you know, he was so good looking when he left and, uh, she came in and, she found the only unburned portion of his cheek on the other side, and just immediately, without hesitation, kissed him. Said, "Welcome home. I love you. I'm here." And that mm. gave him the will to live. And uh, mm. he endured, I think, forty surgeries in all. And uh, they had five kids after the war. My dad mm. being the second, and wow. uh, he he uh, worked for, for for the VA for over thirty years, helping other other veterans get their benefits. And uh, he died when I was nineteen. He had an incredible memory of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, to my everlasting shame, I, I was a teenager at the time, and I just didn't listen. And it wasn't until his funeral mm-hmm. that there were generals there. There were uh, it was all these military honors. Uh, it was a sleeting January morning, and uh, a bomber from the 20th Air Force found its way underneath the clouds and tipped its wings. Oh uh, and, and there were two soldiers— echoing each other playing taps and for like two hours they stood just in sleeting rain like bronze statues and i remember going up to them afterwards and just we just said i'm so sorry that you had to do this um and thank you and uh they said no don't don't say that this is an honor like your 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 grandfather's one of our nation's heroes and <sighs> it just something clicked you know and uh i, I immediately asked who was my grandfather and that mm-hmm. led me on sort of an, a nationwide sort of search to interview the survivors and his, his surviving crew members and, and, uh, discovering this story. And, uh, and, you know, that's one of my hopes for the book is that people mm. will take the time, especially with that generation. Cause there's so few of them that we have left mm. to just listen to these incredible stories and, uh, and understand what your legacy is. And so that's the story. And, uh, and I remember holding the medal of honor in my hands when I was probably seven years old. I was very young. I had no idea what I was holding, mm. uh, this, this blue ribbon and this gold medal. And, uh, and my grandfather sort of saying over, over my shoulder, freedom isn't free, Mm -hmm. you know, it comes at a cost. I didn't understand those words at the time, but, but as I grew up, you know, they, they, they were there for me. And, uh, and so I I think that America, our nation is, is, uh, is given to us by heroes that have sacrificed so much. And, um, he would always say that I'm not a hero. It's the guys that didn't come back. They're the heroes. Uh, and uh, and I I hope that this book is is just another story that honors them and uh, and and their sacrifice and and really shows that greater love has has no man than the one that would lay his life down for his friends you know yeah. and uh, that's the story.
2: That's an amazing story. I remember the first time I heard you tell it in some depth. I was with you and Mel Gibson, and he had been working on the life story of Desmond Doss, and it was made into a film called Hacksaw Ridge. And I remember you telling him about your. Grandfather, what Desmond Doss was awarded this same medal, was he not, John? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they knew each other actually. So Des, wow, Desmond Doss, moved you know, to
1: Piedmont, Alabama, late in life, and hmm, they knew exactly.
2: Each other. I mean, this is this is you know, the rare company. These these people from World War II. I remember I got to know uh, Louis Zamperini uh, toward the end of his life, and he too was a hero of World War II. And it's almost like they were cut from a different cloth. These guys. I once asked Louis, Louis, you know. Your generation, we call them the greatest generation, what was it that helped you to get through the hardship? There was such an uncertain future with with the rise of the Nazis and Hitlers and then you know, the empire of Japan and and so many young Americans dying overseas. And Louis told me that they were hardy. And I asked him to define it. And he just, it's sort of a true grit, if you will. But But I think in your grandfather's case, it was more than being hardy and true grit as you said, he felt a presence. God was with him. And, you know, you stop and think if Henry Irwin, better known as Red, had not done that, uh, there would have been, you know, they would have all died. And 11, those men on the crew, their families, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren— it would have been a whole different story, but because of what he did, it impacted so many other lives. And, and of course, we come back to the statement of Jesus, which you quoted, greater love is no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends.
1: I got really interested in just the psychology of these heroic acts. Mm-hmm. Who is able to, you know, grab a bomb and march it to the front of a plane? And, you know, am I? You know, uh, and, and who's able to jump on a grenade or just do these extraordinary things like Desmond Doss, uh, you know, from the from the movie Hacksaw Ridge and, and just keep going back. Um, and it was very interesting. I was talking to Gary Luttrell, who was president of the Medal of Honor Society at the time at their museum uh, in Charleston on the aircraft carrier and uh, the Medal of Honor Museum. And And I just said, I asked him that question, like, how do you decide to do these things? And he said something so interesting. He said, it's not, a decision. It's a moment where it's too quick to be able to decide. So, whatever's in your character is just revealed mm-hmm. in that moment. Yes, and in the moment that is too quick for a decision, you know, you find out who you really are. And I thought that that was so interesting because my, with my grandfather, you know, he had had such a pattern in his life because his dad died so early, mm-hmm. of sacrificing his own needs for the needs of those that he loved. Mm-hmm. And in every instance, I feel like love of country. Is what made them join, but love of each other is what empowers mm-hmm. these extraordinary acts. It really is doing these things because you love the person beside you. Yes, and um, I thought that was interesting. And and in a moment, too quick to decide, that character that he had was revealed, and he did what he always did, which was to sacrifice his own needs and and his own well being, and and you know what was nearly his own life for those people around him and uh, to save them. And I thought that that was very interesting and very relevant to our time. You know, we live in a very narcissistic time. And and the other thing that I, I thought was interesting was Gary said, you know, your generation, like America is a nation bound together and held together by ideas and ideals and by faith. And and he just said, you know, your generation has no concept of what the Medal of Honor is mm-hmm. and what it means and what a go- going above and beyond the call of duty means, and how important that is to the fabric of our nation, it's being lost. At the time, there was only about 50 living recipients of the Medal of Honor. Most of them were over 50. There's been some young uh, people more recently, but there was this fear that the legacy of the Medal of Honor will, will sort of fade away. And, and again, I think it's such a biblical thing. It's, you know, Jesus said, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two, do more than is required mm-hmm. of you. Uh, and and that—that that is what landed with Andy nice and film career is to go further and yeah. do more and go above and beyond. And uh, and I think there's a lot to learn uh, just through studying heroes and what empowers them to do what they do. And again, my my, my grandfather's faith was such a huge—he was, he was very devout. It was such a huge part of of his ability to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last conversation I ever had with him. He quoted the verse, you know, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and yeah. no one comes to the Father but by me. That was the last conversation I had with him. Wow. And uh, I, I think legacy is this interesting word. You know, it's something that you receive, and it's also something that you, that you give. And it, you, you can't really know where you're going until you understand where you come from. And so for me, it was a big part of understanding my own legacy and understanding uh, my own heritage, you know, which like the psalmist would say is good. And uh, to then understand, you know, who, the legacy that I, I wanted to pass down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I just can't recommend enough. I would give anything to go back and, and revisit those conversations uh, as a man, you know, mm-hmm. as a boy, mm-hmm. I think, when he when he died. And, and, and truly understand and listen to what he did. I wasn't able to, which yeah. led me on this journey around America to listen to others that he knew and, and and to those that he saved. I can't recommend enough with so few of that great generation left. Mm. And there was such a grit and such a dedication and such character to that generation. And you feel like maybe these are things that we're, we're losing or have lost. Um, And uh, I just can't recommend enough stopping and listening to your grandparents or your great grandparents and just Listen to their stories. And I think that would be the big the big thing that I would hope would come out of this book is people that would stop and, and just truly take some time while they're still here and just listen and understand what your legacy is because it, it'll change you.
2: I think your grandfather would be really proud of the fact that you went out and sought out his old buddies and got the story and now you're sharing it with others. You know, I was just thinking the other day. Old people are our young people who have just lived longer. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, I'd look at old people, really old people, and I would actually think, this is a child, of course— where do these people come from? It's You know, and then one day you wake up and you're one of them. I speak from experience because I don't feel like an old person, but I am an older person now. And, and I think a lot of times we look at older folks and, and we see that maybe they're not as mobile as they used to be or they're having the challenges that will come to everyone in time. But what we fail to see is they have all of that wisdom, hopefully. Now, look, not all old people are filled with wisdom. Mm -hmm. There are some people that literally have wasted their lives. But then there are those that have lived wonderful, interesting, important lives, and there's so much to learn From them. And I hope someone listening to me right now will take time to learn your family history from your grandparents or even great-grandparents if they're still living. But John has taken that to the next level as he's researched the story of his grandfather, Henry Red Irwin, and he's put it down in a powerful book uh, that you can now get for yourself and read this amazing story. The book is called beyond valor it's a story of a true american hero but also it's a story of a man who was motivated by his faith and the last thing he said to his grandson or at least the last thing his grandson John remembered in their conversation was he quoted jesus in john 14:6 where he said i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me because of the sacrifice of henry irwin uh Many people are alive today, and so this is a story you need to hear, and it will inspire you and encourage you as well.
0: You've been listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA, and he's been sharing with author John Irwin about the heroism display by his Medal of Honor winning grandfather. It was a message called Beyond Valor, The Red Irwin Story, interview with John Irwin. Well, tomorrow, John comes back for more from this story of heroism and dedication to God. Join us again then for a new beginning, same time tomorrow, with Pastor Greg Laurie. This is the day, the day when life begins. Now for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Beyond Valour, the Red Irwin Story. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call one 800 0 Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.